And he cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth. And when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voice. Converting earthly language into thrust. As you kneel before Azawa, Legend of Zelda's turned to dust. Podcasting from the future like your time was dead and gone. And we rock the best site like ComicsOnline.com. Level 12 cybernetics, vibranium power acts. You communicate with snail mail while we wireless adapt. We are more than easy eyes. We descend to blow your spot. You're a copy of better tech like your name was GoBots. You hoping for iTunes, but little noob, you in the danger zone. We're all the best leaders like Sepenter on his throne. Written by Stan the Man, don't you ever try to serve thee. New guys of this book like we were drawn by Jack Kirby. Hunger like Sinistar, consumer culture, then Galactus. Final Fantasy domination with our super geeky tactics. From the days of Marconi to Buffalo Loud in Best City. You can hear us on every radio, so hit it by city. From leaving tall builders to going off like gamma bombs. Switch your internet browser to comicsonline.com. Hello and welcome to the Comics Online Podcast, the place to go for everything geek pop culture. My name is Mike Lunsford, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of GGR. What is GGR, you're probably asking yourself. It's the Great Geek Refuge. You can check us out at www.greatgeekrefuge.com. How does this tie into Comics Online, you're probably asking yourself. We're very similar, Comics Online and GGR. Um, We both love talking about all things geeky, all things nerdy, which is where the you know, the geek refuge portion comes in. We do the geeky and, and such, which ties in really well with the, uh, everything geek pop culture mantra that comics online has. Kevin and I started our sites independently of each other. We met each other uh, about a year ago and realized that we were pretty much on the same page to use a, uh, a geek colloquialism. It's essentially Batman and Superman coming together and realizing we both want to fight for justice. We both want to fight for good. So you're also asking yourself probably, where is Kevin Goswan? Well, Kevin is busy, and he's a busy guy, and uh, covering everything geek pop culture uh, keeps him pretty occupied. So I'm helping out with uh, the vast treasure troves of content that they have here at Comics Online. Um, plus, we uh, recently decided that GGR and Comics Online were going to do kind of a cool Megazord, Dragonzord kind of thing. Um, we can always do our own solo. We can hold our own, but we're even more powerful when we team up. So we're teaming up for this. So in July of this year, uh, we had San Diego Comic-Con, which is one of the biggest events out there uh, in the geek pop culture world. Our Comics Online team was able to get some interviews with the cast and the executive director of the hit TNT show, Falling Skies. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the show, if you've never heard of it before, I mean, it's right up our alley. It's a science fiction drama, and it's set in a post-apocalyptic world where aliens invaders have crippled humanity there's very little left 90 percent of humanity was wiped out in this invasion they just finished their fifth and final season on tnt but you can always catch up with it you can pick up the dvd box sets anywhere you buy dvds or if you want to go old school netflix and by old school i mean not streaming you actually got to have them ship it to you in the mail they still do that actually uh you can do that as well you can pick up the seasons there as well we're going to go ahead and get started our first interview is with colin cunningham he plays john pope Everybody's just kind of groggy this morning, walking in the lobby. Here we go again. I mean, it's it's like it's just really nice to be invited back for the last fifth and final time, at least as a part of Falling Skies. So, I don't in a strange way, I think we're going to enjoy it more than any than the other four because we're a little more relaxed. We know we don't have to be nice <laughs> in order to keep our jobs. We can just let our hair we can let our hair down. <laughs> 
this is the final season and your final con, is it bittersweet for you? Is it, sorry? Is it bittersweet? Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's it's more more sweet than bitter. Like we've been all been very very lucky and. and just you know, grateful to take part in it. I mean, we had five years on a TNT and, and DreamWorks, and it's just it's been great. But, you know, because it's so weird. It, it, it at first it's about let's say it's about the show and it's about the characters and it's about the wow how lucky we all are. And then by the end of it, it's just about the people. It's about the friends and the, it's about the people who do craft service and the PAs and the guys that are lugging the cables because you because everybody's had babies now and you've been there for their christenings and their bar mitzvahs or whatever you know so it's just it's, it's just a different I see the show in a completely different way than I did five years ago can I name what at least one craft services person one craft services per- well we've had many throughout the years but, <laughs> but a big shout out to any and all oh it was good it was good no, it's all, it's all good Bucket list items while you're at Comic Con? Anything you want to see or meet? Anyone you want to meet? Yeah. Um, well, I'm not entirely sure who's here, but what I do, and it may sound a bit uh, goofy, but I want, I want to maybe, I want to see if there's any Falling Skies stuff because now that it's over, it's like, okay, well, maybe I should grab something to remind myself that I was on this damn show. So I may actually grab. Uh, also for some charities and stuff that I've got an idea for. So, and I don't know when I'm going to see the rest of the cast. So, get them to sign something, then I've got it, and we can do something with it. Uh, I grabbed this from the set, but I had, that was from year one. That's Pope's necklace right there. And I wear it every, everywhere I go. Pope's always been kind of, a, kind of a bastard, but he kind of found a little heart, you know, and a little love this last season. Yeah. How do you want to see him go on? you want to see him ride up in the sunset with her? you want him to go on a place glory? Well, it's it's interesting because there was a lot of talk about that. How, as they said, Colin, how do you want to go out? We talked about it, and it, yeah, it was like either going to be Jimmy Cagney and White Heat on top of the world, my boom! Or it was going to be you kind of you kind of hit it with sunset, and it's uh, well, I don't want to give anything away, but uh, I think they they I was happy with the way they ended it. It just instead of making a big sandwich out of it, it just kind of moves on to other things. It's good. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, then again, I don't know. I haven't had that many. Been on that many shows where the character, where this is the end, and what do you want to do? You know. But it was uh, look. The show's always been very, for me anyway. Um, they've allowed me to push the envelope a little bit, you know, and do stuff that I don't think anybody originally in, intended. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. You know, but uh, they gave me the, the freedom to trip and fall, and if I did, they'd pick me back up, or they'd say, don't do that again, or that was good, go with that. But I never once felt, uh-oh, I better watch out, or I'll get in trouble here, you know. Well, actually, I did feel that the first two, three times I started experimenting, but it was like, no, it was good. Don't do that, but those other two things were good. And it's like, okay, cool. So it's, it's great that way. It's been a lot of fun. Do you think Luke's place would be in the world if he was to survive? Would he go back to being? Kind of, kind of, no, that's a that's it's a, it's a big question because it's where did he come from and where would he go? Yeah, I think in this particular context, he's a he's a hero because he can channel his skills into a common foe. But uh, but yeah, out in the, the peaceful civilian world, I don't I don't. 
Yeah, I think I think the guy's got got his his history for. But it's interesting now. Now I think Pope could become a farmer. I just don't see him going back to his old ways. I, just, I wouldn't see it. There's just too much growth with everybody. You know what I mean? So if anything, I think Pope was a bad guy who started to turn a little better over time. So and I can see see that is to continue on if that was his art. All right, that was great. Thank you very much, Colin. Next up, we've got Doug Jones, who plays Cochise. I thank you. I um, yeah, Mrs. You'll have to tell Mrs. Lori that. Well, she, when I was picking out this, what I was going to wear today, she said, "That's kind of matchy." And, and I, I said, "Well, that, yeah, it's kind. That's why I want to look like a six-year-old boy who was dressed for church." So here we are. And Comic Con for us is kind of a church, isn't it? For some people, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, even though I go to a real church, but. But in the geek world, this is our prom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do pop. I'm like a whore. Yeah. <laughs> thank, oh, thank you, sweet love. What's it like working on this show? <sighs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's it like being regular on the show? Right. This is the longest running gig I've ever had. Uh, being a series regular for three years now. I joined the I joined the cast in season three, so three, four, five, and uh, so it's the longest running character I've ever done. Uh, and uh, I've grown to love Cochise in my heart and soul. Uh, and I, I have to loop every word that I say in the show because of the makeup and the teeth I have to wear. Everything's kind of slurred and kind of blah, blah, and I can't form it. So I have to go in and clean up all the dialogue. So I've been able to see every every inch of footage of myself for this whole season now. And, and I found myself, season five especially, it's like, I just love him. No, Kochi's charms me, you know? And, and, I, and I can say that because it's not my face. Now, if, I, if it was this, I'd be like, that would be really narcissistic. But, but I think they designed such a beautiful creature, and he's, he's got an innocence to him, even though he's brutally intelligent, right? Um, uh, I, just, I just love his whole thing, and the way he relates to these humans and his love for them, even though that's not part of his culture, the love thing is, like, new to him. So watching him discover love and companionship and... And, and, and uh, uh, watching each other's back and the things that humans do has been so charming to me, you know? Uh, so I, I, I've had time to grow to love him, which, which I haven't had the luxury to do on many of my jobs. Abe Sapien from the Hellboy movies is the next best thing to look at. Like, after two movies as him and uh, two animated films and a video game, I voice, I, I, I feel very Abe-ish as well. Uh, but but this, this has been... Uh, and, and getting to know my castmates, what, like family. You, you, really, you really do become... Especially when you're working on a show that is so dark. Uh, I mean, like, it's literally dark. You have to turn your TV up. Like, what? I can't see. Uh, a lot of night shooting, a lot of gray tones. Uh, so when you're in a post-apocalyptic world and everybody's got dirt on their faces, holding a gun in survival mode, you're in the trenches with these people and you really do bond quicker than you do on a, on a, on a happy-go-lucky sitcom, which is what I'm dressed for today. <laughs> right? Well, when we learned recently uh, the are around a lot more than we thought. We learned about travel groups as well. Right. Um, do you want, I want you to get away, so do you want it, like, the Svenny to come and swoop in and save the day, make it a happy ending? Or do you oh, the bone? Yeah, sorry, sorry. That's oh, right, yeah. The bone. Yes, right, the bone. 
Well, you know, that in season three, at the end, of the, it looked like that was what going to happen, right, yeah. where the, 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 the whole mothership lands, and it's like, this, the, we saved the day, we're going to, we're done. Uh, but, uh, but, of course, my daddy issues. <laughs> uh, my father, Wastaksha Ab on the show, also played by me. In a different, yes, in a different makeup with my voice altered. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, uh, because of those issues and because of his disdain for humanity, uh, he's kind of like above it all. Yeah, we're here to help, and we really. My dad's focus is defeat the Ashvini. They've been horrible to our people and for centuries. So let's get rid of them. The humans are just like an incidental. But Kochi's the son that I've been playing. Uh, uh, has grown to love them and, and understand that, like, wait, wait, these are different than any other species we've, we've ever tried to save before, so I kind of want to stay with my new friends. You know, like a teenage boy, like the dad's going, I don't like your new friends. And dad, but dad, they're cool, and everybody at school loves them, and, you know, whatever. So that's kind of the, the argument we've been have, having. So uh, so when when Wastachab took the home ship to fight the Ishvini elsewhere in the universe, yeah, I stayed behind with my with my small faction of like a, a few uh, recon team type people at uh, home. Uh, so that's against his wishes. So that's that's the setup for, for my issues this season. Uh, episode four, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, you're going to see it's a big coaches episode. And uh, so I uh, will, we're going to see dad again. Uh, so I will be playing my own father again, <laughs> having a schizophrenic time, uh, and uh, and it's it's a heartwarming episode. It, it's funny. The writers really have written a lot of funny for me this year. Subtle moments that happen here, and the show needs a laugh or two. Can we be honest? Okay. Uh, so, uh, but but with the funny comes a very sentimental storyline between Coaches and his dad. They resolve their issues, and uh, I'll tell you. I'm not going to tell tell you why. But at the end of the episode, Moon and I have a scene together, and we ended up, after they yelled cut on the last, our last take, we hugged and, and we're tearing up with each other. So, that's a teaser. How's that for a teaser? Right? right? I'm going to do it again right now. Oh, my gosh! Oh, my gosh. Right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. All right. That was great. Thanks to the great Doug Jones. Um, I didn't even know that it was the same guy, the same guy that was uh, Abe Sapien in Hellboy, so that was pretty interesting. Up next... On our interview docket here, we've got Drew Roy and Sarah Carter. So, here we go. A little bit about what Comic-Con means to you and to this show. Oh, yeah. Comic-Con has been like our, I don't know, like our New Year's a little bit. Kind of a reflective time, and a bit of an inspiring time reset for preparing for the next season, maybe. You know, we come together and celebrate. And mainly it's about seeing fans. That's that's everything. It's the only time we really get to feel our fans and meet our fans. It's I was just going to say that um, there's so many things that revolve around this convention. Uh, it's usually the first time we've seen each other in months because we just came off of whatever the last season was. We usually just got picked up for the next season, which is always exciting. And it was the first time with, back in the first season that, like she was saying, that we actually felt like there was this large presence out there. I mean, you know, you get recognized every now and then, but it's nothing like walking into one of these halls. I mean, it's the craziest feeling. I was super nervous the very first time. 
until I sat down and saw everybody clapping and cheering, and just all the nerves just dissipated. It was like, ah, oh, this is this is good company. Everybody is, is happy for us to be here, and uh, it's just such a special time. Because of rock star. <laughs> I'm a rock star. So when you're part of a genre show like this, is it different than being part of like a normal show? That's a good question because this was really the first thing I've really been a part of, uh, aside from like Hannah Montana, which has its, its own <laughs> crowd as well, which that was pretty exciting too. I'm not ashamed to admit it, but three years ago I discovered Camp Rock and Hannah Montana. That was one of the few. You were the boyfriend. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. Out of her. Bad boy boyfriend. Not just the boyfriend, I'm the bad boy boyfriend. I went on a Disney thing. You're not alone. <laughs> so, so how does your genre plan compare to a Hannah Montana? Uh, the age. <laughs> There's a little bit of a uh, the, the, the younger kids. They just they just let the emotion out, and it still happens, you know, with adults as well. But more contained, respectful. I feel like we have really respectful fans. Yeah. You know. Cyrus uh, a few months ago, and I went completely nuts. So, and I'm old. <laughs> Colin had talked a little bit about, um, you know, the writers and producers approach to about how do you want your character to go, things like that. Um, do they approach you guys? Do you have an idea without giving away of what happens, obviously, with the brothers and things like that? Which way you want to go with that? Yeah, I think it's been a good show for being involved with where they take our stories and um, we don't have that much control over it though. I think I said this last season I was totally shocked when they had my character get these vibes and fall in love with Ben. I was like, ah! What do you mean? Yeah, no, it was going so well with him. They love it. I love it. It's great. Um, but yeah, you know, I was able to talk to them and make sure that that was nuanced and justified. <laughs> but they come on, they come out with the overarching stories. That's a tough one because we are sort of on the same trajectory, but we refreshingly had some new twists thrown in this time. Um, in the first episode, I wanted to play Hal as if he was fine with the whole thing, this was just a new part of his life, she was going to have feelings for Ben, but she would be mine at the end of the day, but that's a whole lot easier said than done. And then we have that one scene where Hal basically tells her, look, I'm here for you, but if you can't be here for me, then that's just how it's going to have to be. I'm going to leave it in your court. And uh, it sort of stays there for a little while until this thing we keep talking about in midway through the season happens and really changes a whole lot of stuff. There's several different aspects that affect this triangle and really shake it up in a way that we haven't seen before just because we haven't. <laughs> for a lot of the characters, this season is about, you know, really taking responsibility for who you are as a human being. It's not just the second pass against the aliens. It really is, okay, this war looks promising, and who are you when it's over? So there's a little more time for each of the characters to consider how far they've come since the beginning of this All right. Thanks, Sarah and Drew. Next up, we got Connor Jessup and Moon Bloodgood uh, talking about Falling Skies. Hey, 
what has ramifications? The, the blood. My, my back, yeah. Oh. Spikes. Your spikes. I was like, what's the blood? Like the crypts and the blood? I think she said the plugs. Oh, the plugs. The plugs, you know. They might have ramifications. It's loud in here, right? Oh, the plugs. I think hair plugs. Got it, got it. The plugs might have ramifications. These hair plugs. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, this is an interesting thing, is that I, because in season, it was a few years back, they had, in season three, I think, they had, they introduced this concept of, um, the spikes actually were, like, hurting me over time so that they might shorten my lifespan. Unfortunately, we never really picked that back up again. <laughs> but we do, later in the season, it becomes a, uh, especially as Tom gets more uh, brutal and sort of what the season is about him finding his rage and Ben they get into the, a position when they as we move toward the climax of the show where Ben has the, the ability to access information that no one else does because of those at a great personal risk to himself and normally Tom would be the one saying you can't you're, it's not worth it you're my son etc etc but this year his attitudes change so Ben takes risks that he wouldn't otherwise take uh because of that. So in that sense, I guess we see a new angle. I guess Tom is more desperate this year. Everyone, everyone's want, everyone's every, more everyone's desperate. Everyone's desperate. Everyone wants the war to end. Because we feel like we hit, we, we sort of hit them hard at the end of last season. And we need to take advantage of that. And we're, we have a, but there's a time limit because they can recuperate. So we, we, we have a short amount of time where we are the ones in, in control and we have to use it to the best of our ability. And we're not going to lose. You know what was weird? That was not, David Icke even said that's not how I intended the scene to be, but Tune Day, this is what's interesting when you work with a certain director, Tune Day and I decided who's one of our you know, executive producers and director, that it would be, it was actually something Anne's sad about. She does not want to kill. It's not about, she had to be sort of the opposing force of his, of Tom's rage. And so that scene became more about sorrow and just the loss, because I could see he was struggling and my humanity sort of kicks in as Tom's humanity is sort of getting lost. So I think they needed that dichotomy. And we just sort of worked it out in the moment. I wasn't supposed to cry, but I just kind of just, it just was like a moment. I'm glad that you appreciated it, because I didn't know if it was going to really work. Thank you, I'm glad, because, yeah. Show's final season. Uh, what are your thoughts, and do you have any messages, final messages to the fans of the show? It's hard. We're, we're not pausing because we can't think of anything. It's just it's it's hard. You know, the only reason that we're here is because of them, because they actually watch the show. Um, and whether it's fans like the fans who are in the room right now waiting, or it's fans like just the family who tunes in every Sunday for five years. But most shows don't make it past their pilot, and most shows that do don't make it past their first season. So the fact that we're here five years later is insane. Um, so I guess thank you. Yeah, it gave me a job for five years. It, I, it really I, did. I had an excuse not to go to university. <laughs> it's it a good Maxim still had to do school. Mac, yeah, Maxim was a little late. Um, but yeah, so I, it's hard to 
not sound trite, but I guess the, the thrust of it would be thank you. Yeah, that's correct, because it really changed all of our lives, personally and professionally. You know, and I grew up from 15 to 20, but Moon got married and had a kid, and now has a second one. Another one, one. <laughs> like Noah just Noah had a got kid. married, Sarah got married, Noah just had a kid, like everyone's... Like life changed. Yeah, what are you doing? Do I want to have to go through makeup for an hour every morning? Yes, he had to do a lot of prosthetics. Um, I, you know, that was sort of the, in season three, there was sort of that conflict of do I keep them at risk and put myself at risk and keep being an outsider, uh, but in exchange I get these abilities. Um, I think after the war, even if he didn't need them anymore, I think he would keep them, or I would keep them, if I was him, which I guess I am. Just almost as a uh, memento is a bad word, but almost like as a reminder. So are you keeping this fight as a memento from Me? the set? No, God no. <laughs> no, no. I, I think Doug took I'm not that sentimental. Like, did not like, like, yeah. It's a it, lot of work that they have to go through. So we got a little bit of everything with uh, the Connor Jessup and Moon Bloodgood interview there. We got a little talk about bloods and crips, hair plugs. We talked about a love triangle. That was intense, man. That was an intense interview, but thank you to uh, Connor Jessup and Moon Bloodgood. We're going to go ahead and close up this set of interviews here with uh, Alatunde Otoshami. He is the one of the executive directors of Falling Skies. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. Oh, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. My name is Tunde. Sometimes people ask how to say my name. Uh, co-executive director. Uh, Tunde. Tunde. Yeah, full name's a lot Tunde, but Tunde for short. <laughs> well, full name's a lot Tunde Ashusami, but. Become executive director or something like this. Oh yeah, a wild story. Um, yeah, I've done um, um, I've done a couple features, and uh, I worked with uh, Will Patton on one of them. And uh, I just got a call out of the blue from Greg Beeman, who was the uh, um, director and producer on the first four seasons. And he said, yeah, you know, uh, we have an opening, and uh, Will said that you might be uh, uh, pretty good for this. And uh, we know, you know, Will's uh, tough, so if he says you must be good, then you must be okay. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, yeah, so I came into the couple episodes in season four. Um, I guess they really liked what I did, and uh, I was very fortunate they brought me back as a producer for season five. And uh, yeah, I still can't believe it happened. And I'm just as bewildered as the next guy. And uh, because I, you know, I was also a fan of the show, which is, which is the crazy thing, right? Like I, I for the first three seasons, um, before I came directing season four, I watched at broadcast, right? And I, I, I did, yeah. I went to Chapman University. Chapman University. Yeah, I, I PA'd and um, uh, production coordinated and assisted for ten years before getting my first directing gig. Um, and um, I worked for Joe Carnahan. Um, we did Smoke and Aces and NARC and A-Team, and, and he was a riot, you know, and he had a lot of fun with him. First time I ever actually enjoyed going to work, right, working for somebody. Um, and, 
I mean, he was fun, and, and no matter what was happening, like he, did, you know, he compartmentalized, so the stuff never rolled down the hill, you know. He was fun. What's the hardest thing about being a director, and then what is the coolest or funnest thing? Um, the hardest thing is probably uh, probably the hours, you know, um, because uh, you know you're working before you get to set, you're working on set, you're working when you get home. Um, uh, but but it doesn't matter because it's it's fun because. Um, every single shot that you set up is like magic, right? You're worried, how's it going to work out? You know, and then you put the camera there, you work really hard to figure out where the camera's going to go, for, work really hard to figure out where you're going to tell the cast for performances. And then it just happens, you know, particularly when the cast is good, like, like this cast, where 99.9% of the time they're on, on on take one, right? You could print take one and move on, even though we don't do that, but you could. Um, it's, that, it's that magic that happens... Um, when you when you say action and and when you say cut and knowing that wow something special happened in between those two words. So you came on as a director for a couple episodes on season four and now you're producer. Like, what's the difference kind of producing the overarching as opposed to just coming in? How is it different for you? Well, uh, producing is more like doing a feature when I'm directing as well, right? So I, I um, you know when you're just directing an episode, you come in as you said, you, you do it and you leave, and it's like. Say la vie, you know, and uh, and it's very breezy, and you know, and, and you're in and out. But yeah, when you're producing, you actually have to run the machine, you know. And so not only am I directing on that particular day, but there's all these other balls and juggling, and I'm trying not to let it ground. And um, but it's much more gratifying because, uh, like I said, it's like doing a feature. So I'm in there in the beginning, I'm in there in the present, I'm in there at the end. I get to guide the ship all the way home. And we're, in fact, still working on Falling Skies right now. We're, we're uh, uh, doing the post on episode 10, um, finale episode. Um, and it, it's just really great to be able to see it all the way to conclusion instead of wondering, what are they going to do with my episode? You know? Uh, uh, and particularly on a show like this that is, has so many gears, it's got drama, it's got action, it's got VFX, and they all have to be one cohesive unit. And so it's really great to be able to... You know, see the see it too. This last season here, we noticed some new rules sort of popped up as well. Where somebody like, oh, now the, the skitters, you know, five mile radius, whatever that radius is that the head guy can can uh, control them. Are there? Are, are we introducing these just to sort of help tie things up, or, or have they always kind of been there? We missed them. Or, uh... um, well, I think um, I think they've, they've kind of all kind of been there vaguely, you know, um, and. It is about tying it up, you know, and, and getting to the bottom of the mythology, getting the details. So you, I think you'll continue to see more of that stuff you know, as we go through the season. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, David Icke has been a showrunner for the last two seasons, and um, we're just seeing him execute his plan. Um, uh, stuff that he told me in season four, just when I came in as a director, well, why are you doing this? Why is it this way? And I'm just curious as a fan, is actually starting to pay off in, you know, season five. So, um, kind of impressive, I think, that he had this year and a half vision. Um, and I know that's hard. You know, in features, you know, it's, a, it's a one-off usually, you know, and you know what's happening at two hours. TV show, it's 10 hours, 20 hours, 30 hours. In this case, you know, what, 60, 70 hours. So, great question. You know, I you know one that had a little bit more to do with battle with war, that the the psychological toll that it takes um, on a human being. Um, and I know our guys not sure are going through nothing like what our troops do, you know. Um, but um, 
if there really were an alien invasion and this were really happening, I think Falling, Falling Skies through the years has really gotten it right as far as what it would be like. And I thought, well, this final episode, this final season, um, uh, let's really explore that a little bit more with, um, with, with the psychological effects of that. And let's explore with the camera work. You know, and have the camera be a little more bold. And, and let's explore it with, um, with the music. And let's explore it with every single aspect of what's in that frame. Um, so hopefully um, that will be felt. So, you know, we took it a little bit away from Children of Men and pushed it more towards Saving Private Ryan. Just took a book, just took a page out of Steven Spielberg's book, um, particularly that invasion of Normandy on the beach, right? And, um, and just really push everything in that direction. All right. Thank you, Tunde, for that great interview uh, and kind of wrapping everything up for us with the uh, cast and crew of uh, Falling Skies. Remember, guys, you can check out Falling Skies on DVD. You can get it from Netflix. They'll mail it directly to your house. Uh, or if you want to pick them up, um, want to buy yourselves a little copy, you can always get those wherever fine DVDs and movies are sold uh, in your local area. But that is going to do it for the Comics Online podcast uh, today. Again, my name is Mike Lunsford. Uh, just to, Again, GGR. GGR Comics Online, Peanut Butter and Jelly. They're equally good on their own, but when you put them together, they're that much better. Uh, We're here to help each other out. Uh, Nerds unite, geeks unite, those sorts of things. Um, (laughs) But let me thank Kevin Goswan uh, for letting me do this. It's always a blast to work with him. Uh, Great guy, great website, always fun. Um, But let me give you my web address again. That's going to be www.greatgeekrefuge.com. Dot com. Uh, we've got podcasts too. We've got a ton of podcasts. Um, I do my own. It's called Mike on the Mic. I mean, clever, right? Isn't it just Swag. the funniest thing you've ever heard? Um, check it out. It's on iTunes or any of those great Swag. podcast apps. Swag. If you just search Mike, M I K E, on the mic, M I C, you'll be able to find us. We've also got one called GGR Pirate Radio, which is me. Um, uh, my buddy Steve Monick, who works on the website with me, we were actually, he helped me create it. Uh, we've got one called Educated Guesses, which is Steve's solo joint that he does. Um, we've got great content on the website as well. But also, too, back to Comics Online. They've got great content as well. They've got the video podcast. They've got the audio podcasts. They've got great content on their website. They do some cool things. They uh, work with Flashback Comics, which is a local comic book shop here in Virginia. Um they film at the Bungalow Ale House, so if you ever want to stop in and say hi, maybe, you know, buy him a drink, uh, get Kevin a beer, you know, maybe buy Troy a sandwich or something like that. He really likes ribs and wings, just so you know. That's his thing. Um, but that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for giving me a shot. And remember, for all things geek pop culture, this is Comics Online. Swag. Swag. Swag a thousand times. Swag a thousand times. Swag a thousand times over. Swag. 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 Swag a thousand times over. From leaking tall builders to going off like gamma bombs. Switch your internet browser to comicsonline.com.